A Song for a Whale, Chapter 30. It would be easier if he could forget the others he'd sung to, but the memory of a whale is long and deep. A whale who swims in the ocean for a century still remembers the first whales he knew. Just as strongly, he remembers those he never knew, the ones who drifted past. He dove below a wave. The deeper he swam, the more the water resisted, pushed him back, up where he didn't want to be. At the ocean's surface, the sunlight illuminated the whale families he couldn't belong to. He pushed back, swimming harder, until the dark swallowed him. The depths were emptier, darker, quieter, yet less lonely, because there was no one to answer his calls with silence. What was a whale without a pool pod? What was a whale without a whale song? He didn't try to create a song by sending air flowing through his body. He kept his breath still. Air and space did not make music. Air was only air. Space, nothing more than space. Chapter 31 It was our third day on the ship already, but it felt like I'd just left home. At the same time, the day somehow passed slowly. At lunch, I'd think of a conversation I'd had that morning, and it felt like it happened days ago. It wasn't going by slowly in a bad way, not dragging like a school day, where you'd swear someone had glued the hands of the clock into place. Each night, I wasn't ready for the day to end, even though it seemed it had started so long ago, I almost forgot why I was on the ship to meet Blue 55. Almost. Each day on the ship brought me closer to him. I didn't want to spend the day in the cabin, but I wasn't going to do anything until my stomach settled down. It churned every time I sat up. When Jojo came by to clean the room, I told her I wasn't feeling well. She picked up a notepad from the nightstand and wrote, Back in a minute! When she returned, she propped up the door and handed me a cold can of pineapple juice. I slid the notepad across the nightstand while she made Grandma's bed. Thanks. Guess I'm seasick. She took the pen from me and added, Usually, people don't get seasick when the sailing is this, when the sailing is this smooth. True, the boat hadn't been rocking at all. Whenever I looked out into the ocean, there was hardly a wave. I didn't know other... I didn't know another explanation for how I felt, though. Jojo handed me a new page she'd written on. I haven't seen my family for six months. Sometimes I miss them so much I feel sick. Maybe you're homesick. I'd always thought homesick meant you just missed being away from home and wanted to go back. I never knew it could make you actually feel sick. Maybe that was what was wrong with me. It wasn't just that I missed home. Mixed in with that was everything I was worried about, like how mad my parents must be, and whether or not I'd get to meet Blue 55. What if the sick feeling was my body trying to tell me that I shouldn't be here on the ship? If my plan didn't work, Blue 55 would swim through the ocean as lonely as always, and I'd go back home to face the trouble I was in. All for nothing. The feeling was much worse than emptiness I felt in my stomach when I had to leave a radio sitting broken on a shelf. It was like the emptiness that was never going to go away. Of course, I couldn't tell Jojo any of that. I smiled and thanked her for the juice. When I caught up with Benny later, she pulled a notebook from her pocket. She'd started carrying one like I did, to write messages to me. She was picking up a little sign language too, so we communicated more and more with signs. She didn't pretend to know more than she did, and she didn't mind when I corrected her. She even laughed at her own mistakes, like when she signed bathroom instead of Tuesday. Some signs were pretty close, but just moving the hand the wrong way made a big difference in the meaning. Are you and your grandma getting off the ship in Juno? She asked. Yeah, not sure what we'll do. That day would be the ship's first port stop. Some people would spend the day in Juneau and go sightseeing or on a small boat for a whale watch. We'd seen so many whales from the ship already, but the, 
but most passengers didn't have the view from the bridge like Benny and I had. I think I'll look for some place with internet so I can check in with my parents, I'd been thinking. Or I should send a message to my family. They had to be worried, even though Grandma said she was updating Mom to let her know we were okay. When I asked her what Mom had said, she just waved me off and told me, yeah, she'll get over it. Use the internet cafe here on the ship? Benny wrote, I can log you on as our guest. You can? You mean like for free? I didn't think Grandma would want to pay for the internet time, but I hadn't thought about asking Benny to help me get online. Sure, I'll show you how. That offer was too good to turn down. Okay, great. Do you have something you can do too? I don't want you to be bored while I check email and stuff. Yeah, I'll watch shark videos. The cafe was like a coffee shop, with a counter where people could order drinks and snacks. Some people sat at tables and chairs with their laptops mounted along each wall, was a narrow table with desktop computers. Benny pointed to the cups of gelato behind the glass case near the counter and gave me a thumbs up. After we each got a dish, chocolate mint for her, red velvet for me, I sat up at a computer near a window. All the way to the right, starboard, I should say. Benny had taught me some ship vocabulary. The right side of the ship was the starboard side, and the left was port. The front was the bow, and the back the stern. But some signs on the walls pointed out the fore and aft parts of the ship, so I wasn't sure what the differences were. Benny pulled up a chair next to me and showed me how to log into the ship's Wi-Fi, then opened the computer's notepad. The cruise line gives us some guest accounts, like for when my dad or a friend is visiting. You can use that login while you're here. Well, thanks. First I checked on Blue 55. The map on the Sanctuary's website showed a dotted line, not the solid one I'd hoped to see. A guess of where he was. He still wasn't singing. I hadn't noticed that Benny was looking at the map too, until she squeezed my hand. She turned her screen so I could see it, and typed, Sometimes I don't feel like talking to anyone either. Maybe he's like that. Since no one ever answered him back, I couldn't blame him. Blue 55, if he quits singing forever, I wish I could tell him how close I was, and that I had a song for him. He couldn't give up just yet. Benny tapped my arm and signed. Song? Right. I told her I'd play Blue 55's song for her. I brought up the sound file from my email and then hit play. Benny's mouth dropped open like she couldn't believe what she was hearing. She turned to the man across the room and said, sorry, then hit the volume down button on the keyboard. She pointed at me like she was asking, you did this? I laughed at her surprise. Yes. How? I signed at school, then pretended I was playing each instrument one by one, and I opened the tuner app on my phone, then turned the wheel to tuba and, invented, and invited Benny to tap some of the notes. The hertz read out in the corner showed her how close to the notes were to 55 hertz. Cool, Benny signed. After trying out a few more instruments on the tuner, she clicked to a screen I hadn't used before and said something into the phone. A line graph rose and fell as she talked. This screen had a hertz readout too, showing the frequency of Benny's voice, way too high for the whale, almost 200 hertz. But it was interesting to see. She held the phone in front of me, inviting me to talk into it. Me? Try it. I glanced around to see if anyone else was looking at us, then leaned toward the phone. I'd do something quiet. The wavy blue line appeared on the graph when I hummed and then skipped higher. When I giggled, Benny and I took turns humming into the phone to see what the graph and hertz readout would do. If I hummed deeply enough to feel the vibrations in my chest, I could make the frequency lower. Interesting. But it still wasn't going to get anywhere near 55 hertz no matter what I did. That must be what it was like for Blue 55. He knew what sound he needed to make, but just couldn't do it. I closed the app and typed a message to Benny. 
I wish I could make a sound like his. I'd add it to the song. Maybe that was what was bothering me about the song I'd made. All the notes that played at his frequency were made with instruments. Even though I'd added the sounds of other animals to it, there wasn't a living thing that sounded like him. Only Blue 55 himself. Benny signed, wait, and pulled her own phone from her pocket. She opened an app that showed a picture of a microphone in the center of the screen and a sliding bar marked lower and higher on either side. Benny touched a microphone, then talked into the phone. She pointed to my phone and drew a check mark in the air, asking me to check what she'd just recorded. I opened the tuner app and held the phone side by side while Benny's recording played 100 hertz, a lot lower than her real voice. The graph on my phone bounced as I laughed. Can you make it lower? Benny scrolled the bar on her voice modulator app until the readout on my screen told us we'd hit the magic number, 55. She held the phone toward me again and hit the record button. I hummed at the phone, then we adjusted the recording until it would sound like something Blue 55 might recognize. Benny said she'd email the sound files to me so I could add them to the song. I wasn't sure how I'd do that without my computer software, but I searched on my phone for audio editing apps and found a free one that looked good. I'd be able to load the song onto it and then slide the files from Benny. I slid the keyboard back to me and typed, Can you show me that tracker your mom had for Blue 55? She held her hand out and added the tracker for me after I gave my phone. I'd be able to check on 55's progress without having to get a computer. Time to check email. I held my breath as I signed in, just as I thought the screen was full of unread messages. Besides my parents and Tristan, Wendell had emailed me. I scrolled down to the first one, sent the day I left. Let me know when you get where you're going. And two days later, did you get there? Where are you going to look for the whale? I'm getting worried. For me, the days were flying by, but they had to be crawling for everyone back home. I couldn't believe I hadn't thought of that. I was almost too embarrassed to answer Wendell. Uh, Wendell. Sorry I didn't get in touch before, but I haven't had internet service. I'm okay. After I find the whale, I'll tell you all about him. The messages from my family were about the same, wanting me to let them know where I was and if I was alright. Mom added, Grandma says you're going to be gone a few days. Is that true? How are you going to make up all the work you're missing at school? I'll go by there and pick up your books, but I'd like to know what to tell them. Don't worry about being in trouble. I'm sure this was your grandmother's idea. It's the kind of thing she'd do. I could leave it at that and let Grandma take the blame. Maybe I wouldn't be grounded for life after we got back. Mom, everything's okay. I'll catch up on my work when I get back. Please don't worry. I'm having a great time with Grandma. Yes, it'll be a few days before we get back. Sorry for taking off like we did without telling you first. I guess it's the kind of thing I'd do too because it wasn't Grandma's idea. Please don't be mad at her. Love, Iris. Houses and buildings added to the landscape of mountains and snow as we closed in on Juno. Grandma would be ready to get off the ship. That morning she said she'd meet me back in our cabin so we could go into town together. The cabin was empty when I got back. I found Jojo in the hall and asked if she'd seen Grandma. She didn't know where she was either. Grandma wouldn't leave the ship without me, would she? I sat on the edge of the bed to wait. She'd been having so much fun on the cruise. This is what we'd all been wanting her to do at Oak Manor join in on the activities and make some friends, but that wasn't the point of this trip. We were there to meet Blue 55. Thinking of Oak Manor reminded me of why Grandma was living there. Maybe Mom was right about Grandma needing people to look out for her. I was having fun too, but I was ready to be in, be on land again. For a few hours, at least. And I wouldn't take off somewhere and forget Grandma. Just before I gave up to go look for her, the cabin door opened and in walked Grandma. Ready to go? She asked. Yeah, I'm ready. Where are? You? Where were you? origami class. 
She held up a red paper swan. Its long neck moved back and forth, and the wings flapped when she pulled gently on the swan's tail. You did that in your class? Yes, with just one square piece of paper. Grandma showed me how she'd folded the square again and again to create the swan. And I made something for you. She pulled another folded paper shape out of her purse and placed it onto my hand. A blue whale. Like it? She asked. You made this for me? I moved a delicate fin up and down with my fingertip. With some help, I stayed after class to ask the teacher how to make a whale. I couldn't let on I'd been annoyed with her or that I'd worried she left me. Even though Grandma had been on, at her own class and meeting other people, she was thinking of me and the whale. She didn't forget the reason we were here. I set the whale on the nightstand and thought about Grandpa's poems. Paper wasn't always flat. Sometimes it was folded into a shape that used the space around and above and below to tell a story. A brochure from our cabin showed what there was to do and see in Juno. One page pictured trails that were easy to walk. Maybe a hike? I suggested. I have another plan, Grandma answered. Another plan? I had noticed her looking at the Juno information. She pulled two tickets from her purse and handed one to me. Printed in black letters across the ticket were the words, Glacier Shuttle, All Day Pass. We'll see glaciers up close. We will? Yes, and touch them, like Grandpa wanted to do. We made our way to the shuttle stop near the cruise ship terminal and boarded along with a few other people who'd gathered at the corner. The driver waited until the bus was almost full. Near the end of the 20-minute ride, the shuttle left the paved road and drove through the bumpy tree-lined trails. The driver pulled up the narrower trail, and we got out to follow wooden signs the rest of the way to the glaciers. We stopped to read a sign with a picture of a U-shaped valley covered with blue and white ice. The description beneath the picture said that glaciers carved the mountains there. For millions of years, the heavy ice crawled over the mountains like a slow bulldozer, knocking aside dirt and rocks as it reshaped the mountainside. I looked ahead of us at the glaciers, trying to imagine them carving out curves between mountains and peaks. I'd always signed a valley with my hands moving down to a V-shape, but maybe that wasn't always right, so the glaciers would reshape my sign too. After a few minutes, we were close enough to touch the glassy ice-covered mountains. We'd sailed by some glaciers on the way, but the view from the ship didn't show the reflections of blue on, in the ice. Other colors too, ones I didn't have names for. Maybe they didn't have names because they didn't exist anywhere but in glaciers. Ignoring the cold, I removed a glove to run my hand along the ice. We were there to touch a glacier, and touching it with a glove probably wouldn't count. The wall of ice was smooth, but not flat like I thought it would be, like frozen waves instead of the flat sheets they looked to be from a distance. This was the same stuff I got out of the freezer at home for my water glass, but it was so much more than that. This frozen water was powerful enough to carve mountains. It sculpted the landscape here, as if it decided there would be a peak over there, and there would be a valley over there, a ribbon of ice running down the mountain. Sure, I'd learn about glaciers in school, but it was kind of like the breaching humpbacks. Seeing them up close made them more real. A man who looked like a park ranger dressed all in brown talked to some of the people who'd been on our shuttle. I'd wondered how he could hear anything through the f the flurry of flaps in the hat that covered his ears. In a spot where the ice gave way to bare rock, I ran my hands along some scars in the mountain. They were th like claw marks from top to bottom. I took out my notebook and wrote a question for the park ranger. What made those marks? After reading that, he wrote back, Scrapes from glaciers. He motioned for me to follow him, then picked up a chunk of ice from the ground. He held the ice against the side of the mountain and dragged it down the length of a groove. I shook my head, not because I thought the ranger was lying to me, but because it was so hard to picture that. It seemed like the ice would just drip off the mountain as it melted, not rake a path on its way down. 
The ranger nodded, like he understood my disbelief. The ice is so heavy, he wrote, that when it slides off, it leaves these deep scratches. I placed my hand on the bare rock, still freezing to the touch, even though it was no longer covered with ice. Farther down the trail, a group had gathered for a small beach, on a small beach carved into the mountain, next to a waterfall. Some people held their hands out toward the waterfall, then laughed and pulled away. Grandma walked ahead of me. Before I got close to the waterfall, the spray that flew into the air chilled my face with dots of icy water. I stayed back while Grandma continued walking. The water from the fall rushed into the pool of turquoise water below. I knew without being able to hear anything that this water was noisy. Grandma held out her hand to catch a spray of glacier water before the sea claimed it. She stood closer to the waterfall than anyone, but she didn't seem to notice the cold. When she saw me watching her, she signed, It's freezing. So she had noticed it, but hadn't backed away. I took a step toward her, then stopped. I'd leap with her this moment. Face lifted before the rushing water, drops of glacial water sliding down the lines of her face. I wondered if she felt like Grandpa was there next to her, feeling the cold water too. Grandma laughed, a real laugh, one that shook her shoulders and deepened the lines around her eyes. When she was, when was the last time she'd done that? Since before Grandpa died? For sure. If it was possible that he could still be with us in some way, this is what I'd want him to see. Even when the water is icy, the sea can melt away a drizzly November.